Big bottom. Big bottom, guys. What is this? Uh, Eight. 17? 18. 18. 18. 18. You can legally vote and buy cigarettes. 18. Tony, come on. 18, yeah, 18. Yeah. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> righty. Righty. Righty or lefty? Well, there's, 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 you know, uh, usually it's righty. Right, shut, up, shut the fuck up. <laughs> For so I hear that a lot. Huh. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. So we were just you were just saying we were talking about sponsors, but Tony, you have a session tomorrow. I do have a session tomorrow. Now this is obviously in time. Fucking, it's going to be all great. But at this moment that we're talking, we just recorded episode eighteen with Tim. Uh, episode eighteen. Episode eighteen. Yes. Episode, episode, episode eighteen with the one and only fucking Tim LaFay was cool as fuck and yeah awesome. that was a good one it was a good one fellow massachusetts native yes mm -hmm. you did the accents and everything for me and it made me very happy thank it looks you. like he got out of there really young because i didn't know him yeah and he kind of grew up like in the sticks right there but, but yeah so at this time tony you have a session tomorrow and you were gonna whip something out well yeah i'm gonna i want to whip something out here right? what i'm gonna use it usually has its own box that's the fucking heavyweight champ of the world. That's the Mike Tyson coming back. This you can trust. I think that's, that's the ready. Conan's father said that about the riddle of steel, right? Wait, no. I didn't understand a word. What did you say? Yeah, that's exactly right. But John did. John got it. I pay attention, Steve. I'm not just talking and being told to shut the fuck up. No, I, I'm listening. <laughs> I just don't know what the, what the childish uh, reference was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just the, the vapid mundane childish reference i didn't understand i'm sorry <laughs> don't call it vapid just because you don't understand it yes no, yes. I, no I can in this time in this day and time that's totally my right no, i'm just kidding all so right we're brought to you by a designs audio who make the wonderful ready nice. and say yeah. the reference one more time tony i'm sorry uh, a, a design audio no the what? He wants the reference again. The, the reference, the, re, the sword and stone. Sorry, right? you missed it. Sorry, you missed it. It's not happening again. All right. Sorry, sorry. Maybe, maybe next episode. <laughs> I mean, you can play this back a couple of times to make sure you get it. Yeah, you can get it. Fuck you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we start getting deeper. When we get into the 20s, we're just going to be just fucking yelling. Off the rails. Uh, I'm sorry, crew. You know, this, this is what's going on. It's been long summer days. I had two surf sessions yesterday. Woo! Uh, two surf sessions yesterday and a recording session tomorrow with the ready. Yes, with the ready. Nice. With the ready. And then and the Rupi Neve DI. You know, nice. but, yeah. Nice. But for our, yeah, so we got A Designs is one of our. A Designs Audio, the best DI on the planet, man. Best yeah. recording DI on the planet. Yeah. Um, I love it. You love it, you know. Oh, we're brought to you by those guys. Steve Montessi is the best. Montessi. All right. Our second sponsor is Golden Roast. Golden State Golden Coffee Roasters. Golden State Coffee. Which we actually found out Tim's a fan of as well. Tim loves it. He is really good friends with Ross Lilabo. And he's actually going to produce, hopefully produce his record, Ross's record, yeah. his band. But we love Golden State Coffee Roasters. We're going to put all the info. Um, they, Which you uh, can use the promo code. 
Uh, we apologize if there was an issue at one point in time, but big bottom one five, big yeah. bottom 15. They're fantastic, and I like their swag. This has become my favorite little mug for drinking whatever out of. I like. I might it. have to get one of those. That's pretty cool. I like it. The reason I like it, too, in my car, it's not big. It just it fits perfectly. Doesn't get okay. Perfect. I can do this. Can you do that again? <laughs> Wait, if I'm here, look at that. Instead of this, we're, oh, it's in the way. It sits lower, so I can do that. Sorry. I'll be back. You guys finish up. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it's been a long day. So, but uh, hey, everybody, those are our sponsors. You can yeah, check so us go, out on Facebook. Go check them out. And how freaking rad was today's conversation with Tim? Oh, it was great. It was good. I um, yeah. I I just I, the the Bowie, thing. Just I I loved hearing that. That's so rad. This is stories. Mm -hmm. Great guy. Good, good conversation. Yeah. yeah. Tim, yeah. and yeah, he's one of those guys that has played with the biggest names around, you know, and I just love that he's, he's just super down to earth, humble, still talks shit, you know, and, mm -hmm. and just appreciates the process, the playing, you know, and teaching. And yeah, he's, that was great. Good conversation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Anything uh, new in the world of uh, John and Tony? Base-wise? Is your base almost done, John? I think so. I, I think Matt was actually on vacation for a bit. Okay. So, but yeah, it's close. I think it's to the point of stringing it up and, and putting hardware on it. I think it's kind of at, at that stage. Nice. So I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised in, in the next couple of weeks if it's uh, just about done. Wow. Yeah, can't wait. How about now, Tony? Are you allowed to talk? Oh, about yeah, it? I can talk about it. I think they put it on Instagram already. The uh, first roasted TP5. There is Spencer Lull playing it. Um, nice. Right there. And then uh, it's. And, I mean, you know, you think like I want it, want it, want it right now, but I'm super patient, you know. Oh sure. So right there, kind of orange. That's kind of your signature roasted. Uh, it's yeah. It's the first maple roasted tp5 and that's one of the first roasted mike lulls period and uh ash body roasted neck roasted ash neck and we did something slightly different mm -hmm. uh with this with this model um this has the noise strand big blades instead of the big singles which is proprietary for us still in the avante position okay nice so, yeah which that's the key to the base the key of the base is it's 24 fret Mm -hmm. And the pickups are Nordstrand and in that very specific position. So, nice. Yeah. 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 And, and speaking of Nordstrand, we're sending all positive vibes, love out there. Please, you know, anybody that. Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Love you, Carrie. He's fighting the fight. We love you, Carrie. Yeah. Best guy. So, if anybody's out there that knows him and, you know, knows of him, just, you know, keep him in the thoughts, prayers, and uh, the positiveness. He's a he's one of the best, one of our buddies. So, yeah. All right, boys. What do you say? Check out the uh, chat with Tim. With Tim. Oh yeah, and uh, BigBottomPodcast.com. I'll put Patreon. I'll put all the links and stuff. But yeah. find us cool. Big Bottom Podcast on Facebook. We got it. So, all right, boys. Well, hey, this is the Big Bottom, Steve Araujo, John Moody, Johnny Paleo. 
enjoy the podcast, everybody, and we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Hey, bye. Okay, cool. Bang, yeah. hi. Who do we have with us, Steve? Man, we are extremely lucky, blessed, fortunate to have Tim LaFay joining the Big Bottom crew to just talk some shit. That's it, man. Tim, how are you, dude? I'm here to talk shit. <laughs> that's what we do, man. That's what we do. We just kind of, we just talk and that's all, man. How, how are you doing, man? How are you hanging in there? Uh, everything's cool, you know? I mean, luckily, you know, like, like Patreon is carrying the day. So, you know, cool. we're, we're surviving. It's all good. You know, I got, and I got enough, like I'm teaching a little bit and getting some recording. So I'm surviving, you know? Good. I just, you know, obviously not the best circumstances, but it's all good. You know, that's awesome. But you know, everything is good, you know, and, and you know, so. Very cool, man. Good, good. And, uh, but you're doing a lot of, a lot of home recording, a lot of, um, sessions, a lot of sessions that you're being hired for. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, that happens a couple times a week. I mean, there's probably, you know, I feel like, you know, there's a bunch, there's a bunch of paid stuff, which goes to the front of the line, obviously. And then there's a okay. bunch of unpaid stuff, which, you know, which is collaborations with friends of mine. So like that stuff, I'm all, I'm totally behind on, <laughs> as you're just, <laughs> uh, you know, be, you know, just doing that and trying to parcel out time for, for the Patreon. And then I, I've been co-writing with some people too. So, you know, like, a, like, I'd like to come out of this, this period, like, you know, if possible, like with, to, with the potential of making some mailbox money, you know what I mean? Like having, having written some stuff that's getting sure. like placement, placement tunes and stuff like that. I mean, I, I work with a couple of bands and so I'm trying to co-write with them. So great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. And, uh, and yeah, and bass wise, what I, I see some, uh, I see some bases over there, man. What you yeah, got? That's like vintage corner. Okay. I All right. Oh, he, there's enough for a vintage corner. Well, everyone should have a vintage corner. Often, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's like, like, you know, like I got the matador in the closet, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, the thing is, is like, yeah, I may have, maybe I have a lot of bases, but I, I end up using them all. I really yeah. do. Like, there's a, mm -hmm. there's a, especially when you're recording, it's like, oh shit, I know what would sound good in this, and then sure. bam, you know. So there's you know, you know, there's the typical P bases and yeah. a couple like jazz bases and stuff, and then. You know, some short scales and some weird sound of stuff and, you know. And lately, have you been kind of more into the short scale thing or is that just kind of the... I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, the short scales are very hot right now, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. It's yeah. a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a definite thing. And it's cool because, you know, like, I mean, you know, I'm a giant, so it kind of looks dumb on me. But, but sonically, it's an interesting <laughs> sound, right? I mean, mm -hmm. It looks like a ukulele on you. Yeah, like a little yeah. tiny thing. Yeah. Well, did you um? Where'd you grow up, Tim? I grew up in Massachusetts. Okay. Oh, there Thanks you go. Brady shirt. You know, this is my. Yeah, yeah. What town did you grow up in, Tim? Foxborough, actually. Okay, down there. Okay, I'm in Peabody. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're like you're like a neighbor. Yeah, I grew up in Foxborough. Wow, that's crazy. Small world. It is a small world. That, and, yeah, we're, I think we have some mutual friends like Andy Dow and a couple other dudes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Facebook friends, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And did, did you do a lot of playing there? Did you soon know, huh? No, I mean, I, I, my high school band director was great. So, like, we, you know, my high school was, like, renowned for its jazz band and stuff and the concert okay. band. So, like, I did all that stuff. And then I just kind of, you know, it's Southeastern Mass. And uh, <laughs> so it's just like, you know. I, I know I, I wanted to live in New York, so as soon as I could get out of there, I got out. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so I, I went, I went, I went to college and then did some cruise ships and I moved to New York. So that's cool. What uh, what college? I went to University of Rochester, New Rochester. York. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, Very cool. which is basically the, the major school for Eastman School of Music. So I, I was doing a couple of things when I was, wasn't too busy doing bong hits. I was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Playing over at Eastman a little bit. You gotta pass the time somehow. That's all right. <laughs> even, today, even nowadays. I mean, there's only so much to do with down in Foxborough unless you're like, you know, want to go to a Patriots game or something like that. You know what I mean? My car up on cinder blocks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a little different down there, you know? Does, yeah. the ac- does the accent come out every once in a while, Tim? Uh, oh, yeah. I no. mean, I, it's funny. I just got a cat. So, like, when I talk to the cat, it's like, when I talk to the cat, oh, look at you want some water? You know, like, like, like my grandmother. Look at cat, have some water. That's awesome. <laughs> Cats are cats are kind of smart asses anyway. They deserve to be kind of a little berated. That's They're right. awesome though. I love them. Yep. <laughs> now, this is funny. He's like you know he sleeps literally all day and then goes out and murders small animals at night. <laughs> I love. That's why they're so rad. They are straight up. Mm-hmm. You cannot domesticate them. They are just actually John's cat will probably make a little guest appearance here. He he. Yeah. She'll she'll pop up at some point. She usually does. Yeah. Yep. So after, so you went right to like, did the cruise ship thing kind of just worked and worked on, on, on boats? Yeah, I, I did like three years on this one, or this one uh, company where I ended up, you know, I met, I met a bunch of lifelong friends there. Like I met Zach Danziger. Danziger had just, they had just finished doing that Wayne Krantz record, that Long to Be Loose record. Oh man. So like, you know, he was out for a vacation to chill and, and I was just like, you know, I didn't really know. I knew I had heard the name, but I didn't really know him. And then he came and you know, he was friends with this drummer, Pete Davenport, on the ship, who was also a great drummer and an okay. old friend. And um, so he came out of the ship, and it, and it was like, you know, I was like, do you think, do you think I could hang in New York? You know what I mean? Like, everybody asked that question, and I was just like, sure. he said, yeah, just do it. So, like, I, I moved to New York, and, you know, it took a little, a little while to get established there, but it, but it happened, so. Was um, was Wayne Krantz the first kind of gig, or what, what were some of the gigs that you were doing out there? It was funny, like, you know, Wayne would, Wayne was early on, but it, like, it was kind of like, first was like Chuck Loeb's like some smooth jazz stuff okay. with Chuck Loeb. And, you know, he, he was nice enough to start hiring me. I, I play upright and then Will Lee would play electric on a lot of these records that Chuck was producing. That's cool, man. So that was fun. So I get to watch Will in the studio. Obviously, that was a trip. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was that. And then I, I started playing with Lainey Stern for a yeah. while. So wow. she was like the first, you know, that was the 55 bar, you know, hang. That's, so, yeah. That's was, a big gig. That's a good gig, man. That's, yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. And then Wayne came from all that, you know, obviously sure. from, because everybody ran in the same crowds. Okay. So, yeah. Man, that's cool. New York's cool. a tough scene. It's not an easy scene, you know? Yep. It's, uh, you got to keep on your toes there. You keep, keep busy to keep working. So. Yep. Yep. And did you do a lot of, you did a lot of sessions out there also, obviously at the same time? They came. I mean, you know, it was like initially no, but yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Then all of a sudden, like like in the two thousands, everything kind of broke the right way for me. You know, like for some reason, like I, I don't know what happened, but somebody recommended me to Lenny Pickett, so I ended up subbing for James Genus on SNL for a while. And then you know, like actually, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it's me on the Thirty Rock theme because I think James. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like you know, weirdly, like all this kind of weird stuff came up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad. I love that show. Uh, amazing. It was good. Yeah, because Jeff Richmond, the guy who scored it, was was initially doing the, um, he was doing all the, the like the, what do they call it, incidental music on SNL. Okay. Sure. Like, you know, if, if somebody had a skit and they needed a tune, like Jeff would do the arrangement or whatever, you know, like or write it. And he was married to Tina Fey at the time. So. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. pretty rad. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, 
that was a, it was like you know it was Will Ferrell and and uh, and Jimmy Jimmy um, uh, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Um, Will Ferrell and uh, uh, oh Jimmy uh, um, shit. You guys got a show on NBC. <laughs> yeah, not Kimmel. Is it Kim? No, not Kimmel. It's the other one. Yeah, yeah, the Irish other, guy. It's the yeah, other Jimmy. Jimmy. You know Fallon. Uh, Fallon. Fallon. You know, like there you oh, go. It was that that era. So it was a great cast. It was really fun. Dude, that was. It's, they were cool people, like Will Forte, like all these creepers. Like Will's hilarious. I can't even believe that guy, Maya Rudolph. Yeah, I actually just listened to Maya Rudolph on um, whose podcast? It was on uh, the uh, Conan O'Brien podcast. Oh yeah, she was just on. Yeah, she's rad. She's, she's rad. Yeah, she has a Fred, uh, Fred Armisen now that uh, where they both die. Oh my god! Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's called, but I was watching. I was like, holy shit, this is weird and cool. You know, those guys. <laughs> There's a great, I just watched a documentary on um, uh, Chris Farley that just came out. It was like on Hulu or something. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, wow. anyways, yeah. we got to look for you. When did you make the transition to the West Coast? Uh, 2011. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of like, you know, I just felt like I was hitting the ceiling in New York and this is like, you know, just, and, and it's also hard to live there after a while, you know, it's just a, everything's kind of a grind. So I was kind of looking for something easier and then I wanted to stay in the scene. So, you know. I moved out to LA. And then the, uh, obviously the Bowie thing, the, how, I mean, how did that kind of come to fruition? Well, uh, you know, basically the Bowie band was, that was like an existing band. It was like Johnny McCaslin's band. So like that, uh, that was still in operation. Like I was going back to New York a lot to play with those guys and doing sure. tours and, and stuff. So um, basically what happened was, uh, I guess, Bowie had called, he wanted to do a jazz record or something. And so he called Maria Schneider. Okay. Uh, you know, Maria Schneider, she's got a, she's got a famous, she played every Monday night at Iridium or like someplace in New York. So like, and she's a, she's a very well-known uh, big band arranger. Okay. So Bowie wanted to work with her. So they wrote a song together called Sue in the season of crime. And then they tracked it. And, uh, and, and uh, her, her saxophone player, Maria's main saxophone player was Donnie McCaslin, like mm. the main soloist in the band. Fantastic. So yeah, that was amazing. So basically, I think what happened was like, you know, Bowie had said, well, I'd like to, let's do a whole record. And she, she had been working on her own record. I mean, this is how much of an artist she is. It's like, she said, she told Bowie, no, like, I don't have time, but check out Donnie McCaslin's band. We had just finished the CD. So like, you know, she gave him the CD and he liked the CD. And then he came down to the 55 bar and checked this out one night, like all totally under the, uh, yeah. what's it, under cloak and dagger. Like, I didn't even know he was there. Most people didn't, he didn't, it wasn't like a big to do. Yeah. There was a thing about like, he, he was just like trying to blend in in New York, you know, because he's David Bowie. Like, people would go, well, that looks like David Bowie. And apparently, he, he would do that. Like people would say, well, that looks like David Bowie, but he'd be carrying around foreign language newspapers. Hmm. And would, That's awesome. them off the trail. It's like, yeah. I'm just, but it's not him. He just wanted to be normal, like, you know, normal person roaming around. Yeah, that's amazing, though. I mean, that, that record's killing. And, and were you guys, um, you guys all track live there or hung out with them and... Basically, yeah, it, you know, it was very intimate, like, con, you know, considering what you thought it would be, like, you know, uh, he was very sick, so, like, you know, they were keeping everything very under wraps, so, and, and we totally respected it. Um, and I think, you know, like, even, but even then, like, the record he had done before the next day, which I love, um, they they signed NDAs for that, too. He just wanted to drop a record, you know, so we did the same thing, same same operation. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, in terms of tracking, like, like, He'd send us his MIDI demos mm -hmm. and then we'd kind of like learn it 
you know, whatever, as close as possible anyway, you know, like, like, so a lot of the stuff you hear in the record actually is like parts that he had come up with in, in his house or whatever, which is incredible. Like the, the bass line of Lazarus, okay. I think that was Tony Visconti who played that line. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so I kind of like expanded on Tony Visconti stuff because Tony's a bass player. Sure. And um, wow. so that was that. And then, you know, but they were encouraging us to, to do our own thing on stuff. You know, like not, you know, where it was appropriate, you know what I mean? Sure. Like where he didn't have stuff written or just, you know, just had chord changes or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, me and Mark Giuliano would be done in two takes. You know? <laughs> you know, the day was very workmanlike. It was like 10 to 6 or something. You know, yeah. Bowie got there at 11. Yeah. And we would get takes done. We'd be done by 2 o'clock and just sit on the couch and like watch him. Not even watch. I mean, he, you know, like he was sort of, he obviously he was having a lot of say on what was going on. Sure. But we were, we were having conversations and, you know, just joking around. And it, yeah, it was incredible. The guy's an incredible guy. I mean, just artists to the nth degree, like that's what an artist is, right? Yeah. And that's what it seems that I always got from him, you know, like. Yeah, and like, and, and he brought that, that was, that was in part, he brought that to the table. It was just like, okay, you guys, you know, he hired us to, for our thing. Sure. You know, he didn't want us to be like studio guys. So it was like, it was, uh, it was interesting. Well, it sounds like he, he um, you know, like you were saying the two take, I mean, obviously you've probably done sessions where take after take after take where it just gets almost tired where it's like okay this still has life i'm not squeezing the life out of this i'm actually letting these guys a couple of takes and you know is it going to get better nah, it's going to be different but you know almost like he knew like this still has to have some creative spark to it and some you know personality so that's that's awesome i think you know and, and tony was there too like tony wasn't commenting too much on uh <laughs> You know, like he wasn't, he wasn't that involved with the, the tracking part of it. Like, I think it was Dave was just like trying to get his thing. Don't, Tony was involved very much afterwards, like, like processing and recording David and, you know, like, yeah. and then cutting up tracks and stuff. Sure. But a lot of it was, a lot of it wasn't cut up. A lot of it was just raw. What, what, what happened happened. So like, that was the other incredible thing. I was just yeah. like, wow. Mark Giuliano and I were talking about that on, on a recent thing it was just like, you know, like he was talking about how he brought in like a one of those rolling pads or something with 808 sounds on it and, sure. and it was like on tis a pity she's a whore and he just went in there and just ah, you know thinking that they were going to cut it up and he just was spraying all over the place and they kept every single note of it and he's just like what you know and then you know there was the same situation for me with when we were recording the song black star i was just like kind of going nuts you know like i was kind of channeling a bunch of because it was like it's like a three-piece movement you know like sure. a three movement thing so yeah. like i like first part of it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do Tony Levin stuff. Second part, I, I really went off the deep end on like the Herbie Flowers, Justin Meldo Johnson vibe with the pick. And in the end, I was just totally copying Pino Palladino stuff. So when we come in, you know, come in, we do the take and, you know, we kind of finished it and I came into the control room. This is, they always use the second take. Sure. And, uh, you know, we were like, yeah, they did. It was just, because you know, the first take was conservative. It was like, yeah. just like the demo. It's like, okay, cool. You know, that's, it's right, but it doesn't have the thing yet. Yeah. And the second take, we always have the thing. They just, he just like, just go. And just, he wanted us to be aggressive. So that's awesome. And creative. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I come in and black star, they're playing it back for the second take. And I'm just like, <laughs> I was totally expecting them to go, uh, yeah, we're going to have you go in and record that again. Cause I just, I just thought, you know, I really was You're like, I just lost my shit. I just went for it, man. Just going. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, and they, they, you know, everything is in there. I mean, wow. Yeah, that's that's the raw take too. It was pretty wild. I mean, they spliced sure. the two movements together, like the beginning and then the second. The, the second two parts in the beginning were spliced yeah. together. 
Well, actually, it wasn't. We just recorded it, stopped, and then put the click on and did the second half. You know, simple. Yeah. yeah. In terms of musicality, I mean, Bowie was, I mean, he knew his shit, huh? I mean, he knew what he huh. wanted and he just, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Or he wanted, you know, whatever, whatever he, yeah, of course he knew, he knew what he wanted, but he knew, he knew what he wanted out of people, out of his people too. You know what I mean? Like that's always been his thing. Yeah. Apparently, you know, like I didn't work with him before this, so I didn't know, but you know, that was always, everybody's just like, yeah, he would encourage the creativity, like that's put cool. yourself into it. That's incredible. I mean, how yeah. often? Rare breed. You don't have many artists like that anymore. Yeah. yeah. Not many at all. True blue expressive rock star, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going away. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's interesting because like, you know, when you get to that level, it's funny. You'd think there'd be, I mean, it's, you know, there's Steely Dan, obviously that's a whole, that's a whole, uh, you know, uh, science experiment where they just, you know, they, they're super anal about, well, you know, like, like yeah. oh, will yeah. 15 takes with somebody until they get the vibe or get somebody else. Yeah. But, but like, you know, like I noticed in the rock, like, the, but that's kind of coming from a jazz thing or whatever, but like, you know, Bowie was like from the rock and roll school. It's just like, yeah, it's just a vibe. You know, as long as there's no like things that are sticking out, like that's just wrong. Like, you know, there's a lot of self self policing going on and a lot of like guessing, you know, like it's just kind of instinctual. It's like, oh, do they think they're like this or whatever? So, you know, so in that, in that world, it's surprisingly, you know, pretty loose, I thought. Yeah. Well, and he, he was one of those guys that just kept reinventing himself, you know, mm -hmm. through. 60s 70s 80s 90s now yeah. I mean, for me yeah. scary monsters was like that that record and i was in high school and that that record blew me away i just couldn't i'm like what am i listening to yeah. i like it <laughs> you know and and then to yeah so anyways that's that's amazing dude i just i had to ask you about that because that's just that must have been just something that you'll for, remember forever for sure yeah yeah i mean and something you know like almost as memorable actually it was like they we redid i got like gail and dorsey wasn't available for one of these things they were they were going to redo uh never let me down which is some record he did in the 80s that he hated like how it came so like in 2018 we went and redid it with like mario mcnulty was producing it and uh sterling campbell was playing drums and oh. and and then that's when i felt like a bowie og though because then you know because it was also like reeves gabrell's and david torn so i was just like oh shit, i'm playing with the original bowie guys so i was like oh it's an honor that's an honor, even though it didn't happen back in the day, but you know, it still happened. I was just like, shit. So that, I had to pinch myself on that one too. <laughs> and over, it went under the radar. Yeah. Know, but it's okay. I, I still- Reeves is an interesting guy actually, you know, he's, he's pretty different. Yeah. I love that guy. He's, I mean, you know, now, you know, he looks like, like, you know, Santa Claus or something now, but you know, like back in the day he was, <laughs> yeah. you know, well, a wild man and, and he's a guitar- oh, the Kid Machine days, you know? He's an unbelievable guitar player. Oh, he's great. He's great. I got now. I got to re-listen to a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff I'm putting in my head. Like, okay, I got to listen to this again. Listen to this. So yeah, that's... Earthling and Outside, man. That's like a yeah. Nice. Okay. Reeves used to live in Boston. I used to see him around all the time, and you know he would way before the kilt thing was a thing. You would see him walking around in a leather coat and a kilt, like I'm trying, <laughs> you know. You know, early '90s type of thing. You know, I'm like uh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. See him around worlds and stuff. You know. <laughs> Kilt. Oh my God, Sully. <laughs> Sully. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. It, it was. Uh. You know, he'd be the only cat. You know. I mean, now it's like okay, per se. All right. All right. All right. You know. 
look at the goth kid with the with the kilt or something. Right. But he was doing it way <laughs> twenty years before you know it was a thing. Robert Trujillo was doing it way back in the day too. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Remember that Yellow Pages ad where he's running in a kilt and he tells him, "Yeah, anything can be found in the Yellow Pages," and he's like, "Oh yeah, look for a kilt," and then they found it. Anyways, he's an OG kilt guy too. Interesting. I need to go get one. <laughs> yep. All uh, the big bottom kilts. Yep. With our hairy leg, hairy legs, and you know. Oh, dude. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not. Are you cycling much? Speaking <laughs> about cycling and hairy legs and shaved legs, I go hairy legs. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah. you're a big cyclist. Yeah, I'm. I'm going hairy legs. I don't care. I'm. I'm not racing. Yeah. No. Whatever. Me too. Yeah. But have you been riding a lot? Tons. Yeah. Nice. That's one thing, you know, I got, I got back in shape from the COVID-19, like, you know, like the shutdown is, is cool because, you know, the road isn't, the road's great. We can make your money and, you know, sure. it's, you know, you get all the attention. Hey, look at me, check me out. But, you know, you eat badly, you don't sleep great. You know, it's all, it's all that stuff. So like, you know, being home, it's like you're doing all the above and it's cool, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Have you felt um, just kind of a reconnection to everything, being able to be home more? I mean, obviously we're we're forced to do it and you're not going out. Yeah. But I don't know. Just kind of a reset or what, you know, we we all talk about this all the time. Kind of. Yeah. Just, yeah. I don't know. Have you been just kind of a reset, health reset, riding kind of thing? And yeah. Uh, mental too. Like, you know, yeah. like I just was such a road dog and I was, I was pretty cooked. I was, I was out a lot, you know, when I wasn't doing Tedeschi trucks, I was doing all this other stuff. And, and, you know, like in, in last year, I felt like I feel like 200,000 miles last year. Whoa. Ooh. I went to Asia three or four times. It was nuts. So it's cool. It's like, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm in demand and all that stuff. But, you know, it's, it weighs on you. And, you know, I, I actually left, I probably left December, like until the COVID hit, I left December, uh, early December. And then I didn't really, really get home until I called off this tour in March. You know, it, it was like literally days before I was out again. So. Yeah, so you know, sometimes it's just like, okay, cool. I, I need a break, and I, and I needed the break for sure. Um, I mean, like this month is like it's it's so hot out, and it's just like I'm, I'm kind of uninspired right now. But you know, you can't be inspired all the time. Yeah, well, that's a, I mean, creativity. You can't just go, hey, be creative. It's it has to. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a cycle, right? Well, that's you know, um, is your recording setup pretty much so that you kind of have a workflow where you can just kind of flip stuff on and just start recording right away? Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, on the Patreon, the Patreon we're doing, like, um, basically I have a, I have another interface. I have like the, the, you know, the obviously the Apollo duo. The you, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Apollo twin, sorry. And then I have a Focusrite Octopree, which I've run, I got all my analog keyboards running through that. And then I've tried to have them all hooked up like either MIDI or CV. So like, you know, I can just do electronic jams whenever I kind of want. Um, cool. But I, I got a reel to reel machine. I'm kind of excited to get that going. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. Quarter inch? Uh, yeah, I think so. Quarter inch. Oh, Quarter inch. And then, and then uh, you know, I have the, the full-tone tube tape, tape back though, too. So I'm going to get into some weird shit. If I, well, this is what I'm saying. Like, you know, like yeah. there's no time to be actually like truly creative and just have, sure. you know, eight hours to just spend tripping out and doing weird yeah. stuff, you know, because you always have to do some other shit. And it's just like, you know. It's nice. And then, so your setup is you have the Apollo, you've got a lot of stuff. And how about um, when you go to studios, do you have a, a DI you take or is there a, a certain thing that you, you know, take for your sessions? Uh, I, can, I mean, occasionally, like if I know. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the Noble DI, which I, I bring around sometimes. Okay. Um, 
but it, you know, it's funny, like it actually broke on me last month. And so I've been using this Miura, you know, Miura, Mr. Mr. Miura is a Jap. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. Makes this thing called the K3 DI and preamp and it's fucking good wow. as hell. Yeah, so I've been using that. Um, I mean, it's just super clean, you know, like, um, mm -hmm. but it's like super useful and like, you know, it's got a tape, it's got an effects loop in it and it's got, a, so it's got some EQ. So you can, you can get dirty with it. And, and also, uh, you know, Carrie Nordstrom makes that star lifter, which is also good. Oh yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and we got to give a shout out and just you know positiveness to Carrie. He's doing well, but yeah, just mm -hmm. big shout out. So yeah, just tell me about that. Yeah, man, crazy, but he's doing well. He's doing okay. He's. You know, I have one here somewhere, but it's over there in the rack of stuff. <laughs> buried. What were you gonna get, Tony? Star lifter. Uh, my star. My star lifter. Can you star lifter? He's got a star lifter. <laughs> It's going on board three, actually. I'm going to be mounting it. That's why it's with all the stuff. We're on board three. Yeah. Yes, I like it. Well, these guys are all into pedals and stuff. Me, not so much. But What's wrong with board three? Board three. Yeah. I'm just saying. I know. Do you have How, a lot of, a lot of board, pedals? What's that? How many pedals are on these guys' boards? Tell me about your boards. Oh, let me see. Did you really ask that? Did you really ask that, Tim? I did. Oh, they yeah, that, that's steep. No, I, I don't really have many, actually. Hold on, hold on, hold Fuck on. Fuck that. Hold on. These guys have all kinds of shit on their boards. <laughs> I don't know how many times this podcast I've done this. I've done this a few times. <laughs> it never gets old, though. It never does. Temple Audio. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, those are slick boards. I like that. Those are nice. Yep. So I have this board and a clone of this board, John, all right, right for board two. And then board three is just basically like goofy sin stuff, like other stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, well, and you have the uh, the Rupert Neve DI, which you like a lot, Tony. Uh, the Rupert Neve DI, yeah. yeah. This is fantastic. This, I you know, I just started using those things. When I, I apologize to the audience that heard a lot of this. Uh, I just switched over to these guys for live use right before COVID, and I loved them. I really love them. You know, so they're fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah they're sweet on the top end, and like, kind of got this harmonic fullness in the lower mid. So. It's good. And it mounts to a board, so that's why I like it. Right. What do you, um, so the Noble, Noble's great. I like it. Is that, what do you like about that pedal? Uh, well, you know, like it's, it's got, it can sound kind of new and crispy and shiny. It can also, also can sound old school, which is what nice. I really, you know, like, cause it's got, you know, there's a trick with it where, you know, it's got, a, it's got a low cut and a flat thing, right? So. This guy, one of the guys from Empire of the Sun showed me this when I was working on their record a couple of years ago. Like basically you, you put on the low cut and turn the bass all the way up. I, apparently that's some mic pre trick, which I didn't really know about. Cause I mean, basically it's a mic pre. Yeah. So, so yeah, you, you put on the low cut and jack the bass up and it gives you this kind of like almost- Really? Almost tape, like, you know, like, like you know, a 48, like 24 track, like kind of tape distortion almost. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty that's good. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. Do you yeah. use it with upright also? No, you know, actually the, the thing, I mean, yeah, that's actually true. I do do it. Yeah, because sometimes I'll mic up with this mic and then sure. and then run run the bass for it. Yeah, I actually have done that a few times. It sounds great. And uh, I know that the input is is kind of made for piezo pickups. So with the mega, you know, a lot higher impedance. So that's, that's like one of the big pluses of that Noble. Is that right? Yes, yeah. I did not so, know that. Because a lot, yeah, a lot of piezo pickups, like they, I forget what it is, but their impedance is a lot more than just mm -hmm. traditional output. So going through some kind of buffer 
is always a good thing, and not a lot of DIs have that, and the Noble definitely does. That's why a lot of guys... I think the base which is, too. John, do you use that for the uprights? Yeah. I haven't used it in a while, but yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's got it on the first channel. Red light. What are you talking about? What's that? It's the base switch. Or no, that's the... Uh... Is that the, uh, the base switch is a, a, a DI pedal that is uh, switches uh, nicely between electric and upright. Mm -hmm. It's the one that's like the pedal's super flat. Yeah, I have it actually. Yeah, yeah. I'm using it for uh, synths right now. Oh, cool. Yes, Rup uh, Rupert Designs, right? Uh, what's the name? Yep. Uh, yeah, they're great. They're great boxes. Super clean. It's amazing, actually. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah I had in the box from for years, and I, you know when I when I got here. Yeah. My new studio. Um, yes, I, I dug it out and, play, and plugged in my sense. It, it's, it's pretty banging, man. And plus, it's got two inputs. And right, so you can switch it back and forth. It's great. I, I, I didn't. I sold it short. I just was like, I don't want it. And and plus, it's got all that. Layla, how do you say it? Layla, Layla. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I when I was, um, I didn't really know what that stuff was. But uh, uh, Rich Robinson has all those switchers, the Leal switchers. I was just like, oh, that looks pretty high end. So like, and that mm -hmm. that component is in there. So I was like, oh, maybe it's good. decent. Nice. Wow. Yeah, and it is. It's great. Mm -hmm. You can't kill those switches. That was my live DI for many many years. The bass switch. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm not a little guy. I've like stomped on it. I've had Twinkies on it, you know, from the show, from women, like, and it gets squished in there. I just clean it out with alcohol, go back, plug it. Okay, this is good. <laughs> the only reason why I switched it is uh, I actually needed the space. I wanted the space on my board. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's the only reason you switch stuff on a board anyway, Tony. It's all real estate. It's real estate. It's really real estate. <laughs> Um, what are your uh, your favorite bases to uh, jam out with, play with right now? I mean, I know you use a bunch of different ones. Yeah, um, yeah, I've been liking the, the GL GNL Matador and I, and the, the the short scale that I did I just shot the video for. That's good. I, I I'm hoping that uh, when when the model gets done that that's going to be a thing because that that one setting on it was like really cool. I thought pretty monstrous. Yeah, it's it's good, man. The 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 setting uh the omg omg yeah really what good. is that in series yeah it's basically yeah it's like a capacitor it's just yeah it's it's just oh my god big <laughs> beefy. it's good it's it makes it save <laughs> your hands <laughs> right well it's crazy because it's one pickup and it has you know you can get a shit ton of sounds out of it it's, it's yeah. good, man. Yep. And, and the mfd thing is just a whole other thing that yeah, it just sounds really good. The Matador that you have, Tim, does it have MFDs? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, think yeah, so. that's my favorite. I just yep. pickups. I mean, I like a lot of other stuff too, Alnico and stuff, but they just have this yeah meatiness to them. So it's true. Yeah. Uh, and then the Cerex, you have a couple of Cerex that you you dig? Uh, yeah, I got the Midwestern. I have the Midwestern okay. four string and the Midwestern five string. Cool. Uh, but I had them like you know the five string is like. I had him uh, put a maple neck on it. I've been oh. I've, I've been really hearing maple necks lately, and these and these are the um, Curtis Novak O'Teal pickups. So, nice. yeah, it's good. This this bass sounds rude, pretty rude. I mean, the B string isn't resonating quite right, but but when you're in a track or something like that, it it, it doesn't. But it, it just got this grindy sound that I love, you know. So it's there's like that. The, the flat on it, it's awesome. 
Uh, what did you use in the Bowie stuff? Uh, that was my 60 AP. And my, you know, and my, really? And yeah, 60 AP with flats. And then uh, I played a lot with the pick on the record and, and seemed to kind of jump out. It's got, it's got that weird, that bass, no matter what I do, it's just cuts. It's one of those things. You know, I brought it to it thinking, knowing that it would, uh, it would play. But it, um, yeah, so I still, you know, like if I, if I need to, if I know I need a classic P bass sound or just any kind of good, clean thing, it's, it's money. That's, that's 60 AP. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but you know, like like you were asking, like if I'm just gonna jam or something. Like I, I've been I've been picking up my Gretsch Country Gentleman actually a lot. It's nice. Yeah, it's it's huge and like you know kind of unwieldy and like and the, the neck's all bent out of shape. But man, it's it's got a vibe. It's just so weird mm. sounding and you know, and uh, yeah, just to just to sound different. You know, like you know, I, okay, I don't I'm not hearing P or J today. It's sure. just this. You know, so there's a lot of that. And then uh, what else is over there? Yeah. Also, my, my I have a uh, Diarmin Starfire too. So okay, and a, and a new um, a Schecter one that's good. Uh, yeah, and then then you know the Mulan, always the Mulan, can't yeah. go wrong with the the P. So well, a lot of times too, is those different bases make you attack or you know you play the bases different, so you kind of get different vibes out of them. Especially probably that big giant. You know, I mean that's yeah, yeah, which is actually cool. Different. Yeah, it's no, it's it's fantastic, and it's. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it is always sound-based, right? But you have to play each one differently, hundred yeah. percent. You know, um, I just find like the Mulan overall, like to, to just get good sounding, like it's because it's it was like one of the first ones he made, so it's a little heavier. It's it's also not fifty-nine p pickup so much. It's like a little more turbo, okay. but it also like tracks effects like a motherfucker. It's like cool. mm. so it just does everything I needed to do, and it's you know basically like my favorite live bass. You That's know? awesome. So. When people ask me like, oh, I really want to get like a, you know, a, a mid 60s P bass or a mid 60s jazz bass. And, but I can never afford, I'm like, go, go, go to a Milan. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the suggestion I usually give, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, for the, for the price, I mean, this, this other brands that are also doing like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Richard Coco, right? What's his name? Uh, the, uh, Olintos. Right. Yeah. Those are great. You know, I, I have one of the early P's. Yeah. Is that Mosino's brand? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, oh, it's yeah. Next time you come down, it Gotta it's one it of those. It's literally that's another good brand too. It does knock it out pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I got it to do some review and I opened it, plugged it in, played two notes, put it back, called Eric Coco and said, I, I, "This is not going anywhere. I'm buying it." And it was just <laughs> like, it was just one of those. I mean, you know, like probably like your P, where you just play something, you just this is it. Yeah. I need this in my life. Yep. <laughs> so yep. that's my old P. But yeah, the Olintos are, yeah, another company that's doing them. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. I mean, you know, they're not cheap, but they're not as much as you'd pay for a mid-60s P, obviously. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. I, got I, mean, to play, yeah. I got to play a 66 P bass today. Actually, uh, Joe Ayub came down to GNL. Oh, rad! And I, I got to play his 66 P. Nice. Oh. Yeah, you know, when you play like a nice old, uh, it's just, it was just, it's just very comforting. <laughs> it just makes you happy where it's like. That broken in feel, uh, you know? Yeah, it's just good. And they're all like, you know, like the, the ones that are special, like the ones that belong to somebody and they just use it, like they're all even too. Oh. Never have to yes. fuck with the pickup height. It's just like, yeah. ah, shit. Like the 68P, no matter what, I could not play that for a year. I pull out of the case and it's just money. It's actually stays mm -hmm. in tune too. Like, is this, awesome. 
Now, were you um, like when you like owner wise? Did you have did it have a few owners before, or are you uh, an early owner of it? Uh, I, I think it did. I mean, I, a friend of mine's a dealer in North Carolina. Okay. This, this, this uh, they're actually a couple. They're married, and, and they're both good friends of mine. But uh, you know, he had like put it up on. I think it was on Instagram. Like you know, it's funny. Like a lot of the last probably ten bases I've gotten have yeah. have, have been Instagram purchases. Just from looking at huh. seeing it. Yeah. So like that base was on Instagram. I was like, well, how much do they want for this? And you know, I was kind of flush because I was touring with Tedeschi Trucks, and sure. like you know, I was just like, well. I guess I could, I don't really need an old P base, but maybe I do. So, yeah. <laughs> no, you always do. What the fuck? No. Yes, always. <laughs> P base number one. Then I got a '63 a couple of years later. Oh, which wow. is great. I want you know the '68 P. I just I put flats on it. Just forget it and just yeah, leave it on forever. You don't have to ever change those. Never. And then '63 I put rounds on actually because you know right. I kept going to 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 sessions in L.A. or, or whatever, and you know. I'd end up like, you know, like I bring my, oh yeah, I'm cool. I have my flats. But like every session they had like, you know, like a, an old 60s P base sure. on it. And because it was mostly like, it was like Ross Robinson. I, you know, the guy I did, I did this rock record with him. And, and I was like, and that's what made me my, made the gears turn. I was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to string, I'm going to string out my 63 with, with rounds. Sure. So, you know, because it's, it's still that old sound, but it's still, you know, like with the rounds on it, it's like super special. So. Yeah. Got that mm. growl, little growl kind of thing. Had to growl, yeah. I had I had flats on that for a long time before uh, before Solomon. I can't remember his last name. Guys doing Brian Adams. I did a tour with Brian Adams with the sixty three P, and but I had flats on it. And they were like, well, you know, like the, before they even heard me, they were like, you know, we really kind of want round ones. So I was like, don't worry about this. This will be fine. Like you don't know what you're talking. You don't know fucking tone. I know tone. <laughs> and I did, you know, it was it sounded gargantuan, but it was, you know. That was a really fun tour, I have to say. Man, that's yeah. When uh, when was that? It's twenty twenty sixteen. Wow, that's mm. yeah. nice. Just like a, just like three weeks, but it was great. Rad. Yeah. yeah. What are your predictions, uh, Tim, for twenty twenty one? You think uh, that summer is going to be like tour central and everyone's going to be out and you know? You know, it depends on the, on what the audience is ready to do. I I, I really you know. Now, you know, like, like it's as if there's not enough shit that hit, hit the fan already. Like now, you know, I'm hearing like the economy is going to be in the tank mm. just because like, you know, it's the natural backlash from like, like, you know, because they've been leveraging all these payments that, you know, like all the, the uh, yeah, unemployment, you know, the pandemic unemployment. It's just they're just like printing money. So like at some point it's going to bite us in the ass. And like, like I, don't, I hope it's not next summer. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I'm like sort of, uh, you know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. So like, you know. Obviously, I hope touring will happen. You know, I'm I'm gonna you know like I don't know what's like the big tours. Uh, I mean, I have stuff on the books already for 2021. You know, like but it's all it's like some of my small jazz or jazz projects or you know like improv projects, and so that that may work out. Well, I mean, it depends on if they have a vaccine or not. But uh, I mean, the big the big things. I mean, you know, they can't even until they get a vaccine. I mean, you know, like they tried to get UNC. Uh, North, you know, like University of North Carolina, like everybody showed up and then they had, they just sent everybody home. <laughs> it's just like, man, it's like they, they were like standing in line for COVID tests. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're all getting texts saying like this, these two dorms had massive clusters of positive tests. And it's just like, it's just, you can't put people together yet. Yeah. You yeah. know, unfortunately. So, so like hypothetically, if we had a, say a vaccine in January or something like that, you know, potentially that would help. 
the summer of 2021 could be like one huge gig party central, you know? <laughs> I mean, well, right. I mean, but it's also going to be a scramble. Like, you know, there's going to be a pecking order to see, you know, like who do, who's done the best at these venues, you know, like, like, you know, like that's who's going to get first call. You know, like there's a whole thing, I think, you know, beyond the beyond. whole hierarchy and political aspect uh, behind it. Right. Yeah. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of that infighting and agents and, mm. you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I look what Live Nation's doing too. They have all these clauses now. So, you know, it's kind of. I don't, I don't think, you know, I, I've been, you know, I saw that article and I was like, oh shit. And, but there may be a thing where like, the, you know, maybe, maybe your act is strong enough where you just go, you know what, fuck you. I'm not paying you that money. You know, mm -hmm. I'll cancel, I'll cancel the tour. I don't care. You know, like there's, there's, there's enough power in some of these acts where you don't have to put up with that. You know what I mean? I think. Well, you know, I think this could be options for other, other companies and other promoters. I, I, when I first saw that, I said, in a way, this is strangely good because you're going to see others come to the table now. Oh, you don't like what they're offering? Oh, okay. You know, here, here's what we can do, you know, and I, I, I wouldn't doubt if you see more people come into the picture when everyone's available and it's safe to do everything. Yeah. I mean, I think right now the main concern is keeping the medium sized clubs open because those are all in big trouble, you know? Uh, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, James Murphy did a thing with Chuck Schumer. James Murphy of an LCD sound system. Like, mm -hmm. I think he, he kind of wrote a bill with, with Schumer, uh, you know, to, to, about saving, it's got, yeah, it's uh, saving our, saving our stages. I think it's, you know, that's the hashtag. But mm -hmm. uh, I mean, Murph's like a total advocate for that stuff. He's great. Hmm. James Murphy. Um, yeah. So like, I think that, you know, at least it's in, in motion, but you know, the thing is, is it's like, it's almost too late. You know, these guys have been, you know, it's like hard to like that. That's like, that's like a super transactional business. It's just like, you know, the money comes in, the money goes out, you know, you pay the band, you pay the, you pay your staff mm -hmm. and, you know, you pay the production. It's like, you know, it comes, it, you know, you don't, I mean, I'm sure the clubs make something, but not like not enough to not be open for four months. Now we're in five Yeah, when, not, when nothing's coming in, you're like, that's it's not a huge profit industry anyways, really, you know, it really isn't. Yeah. No. I mean, not this time in, in, in life, right? You're not in the, you know, the 20 teens or 20, obviously, you know, now, but, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago is different. Right? Yeah, that's what they say, yeah. Tim, do you have a, uh, a string choice that you like? Uh, I know you use flats and different ones. Do you have a certain- Yeah, you know, generally choice? speaking, I'm, I'm using, you know, like I've, I've gone back and forth. Like I'm not really a big, um, I mean, flat ones, I, I, I worked with Dunlop quite a bit Cool. You know, the, the flats that they have now, I, I was beta testing back. It wasn't public. I was just, but I was just like, well, check this out. Because I was with, you know, I was with um, Dean Markley for a long time. Cool. And mm -hmm. they stopped making flat wands, which is stupid because their, their flat wands were incredible. Nice. They just, I don't know what, what they were thinking, but they, they stopped making them. And then uh, I was with D'Addario for a second and their flat wands never really did it for me. And at mm -hmm. that point I was like, that was super important to me, you know? Sure, sure. So uh, then I went with DR for a minute. DR is a great, you know, there's yeah. no... You know, I just, I just kind of like Dunlop just was like, yeah, come on in. So like, you know, yeah, work with them, you know, pretty hard. And like, like the Dunlop flats are great because they have this, they have that flat sound, but they have the looseness of a round round almost. So okay. it's not like you're destroying your hands while you're, cause some, some, uh, you know, some flats are brutal as you know. Yeah. There's a couple that feel just like upright bass strings on your, on your electric. Yeah. <laughs> 
I always found the legend, the DR legends were great, but they're, they were so thuddy. They were just thud, man. I don't know if you found that, but that's what I found with those. So in orange or black and yellow package. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. use those a lot. I think that's, that's what's on my 68 P. Nice. They're just, they're almost like, yeah. yeah, they're like 30 year old Jamerson strings like that. They're just done. Yeah. They work out. They worked out. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, the rest of them, you know, like I got the, you know, the normal gauge ones on, on a bunch of bases, the, sure. the Dunlops. They all sound good, you know, like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, you know, it's a flat one, it's a flat one, more or less. But it's, it's about comfort level, I think. And it's these. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, you know. And, this is you know, right, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, but I just think, I feel like Dunlops have the perfect uh, blend of the cool stuff, you know. Because yeah. I play hard, and I, I play like a gorilla, so it's like, you know. <laughs> you, you and Tony. <laughs> I could just, just look at it. You know what I mean? So it's like you're playing really hard. So like, you know, it kind of counts. So you're not ripping your hands off. Sure. You know, that was the, you know, the, the 68 P the Bowie bass. Like I, I had that out for a year or so with Tedeschi trucks and I was just wow. crushing my hands. It's not great for a two hour gig. Got it. You know what I mean? It's great for recording or an hour gig or something, but it's, sure. it's just too There's much. great tone when you play like a beast, right? You know, I I feel there is. So. 100%. There's a whole thing, like, like you know, sometimes when I'm teaching kids, I'm just like, well, kids or adults, whatever it is, like, you know, I, I say, make sure you spend, uh, at least when they're like kind of like, can sort of play, and then, but you can tell that they, they want to be a shredder and they, they, they want to you know, they want to play light. I like, just unplug from your amp for a while and just, just work on your right hand. You know I mean? It's, it's super important because it's, you know, that's what, the, what, you know, everything else is just going to be whatever that's going to be, unless your right hand is putting up a good sound. I, I mean, I think it definitely, because I taught for a long, I don't teach anymore, but I did. It's, you know, everyone wants to be good right now, but you got to work on get, well, you have to work on getting the sound yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the thing and I know all of us concur and we all agree and for students they want it now they want it now I want to sound like you know whoever it is but it's like man you got to work on your just your own facility and your own tone where you can pick up any bass and it'll sound like you and you can just you know th there's like a, a floor that you're not going to go under you're still going to play here even though the bass is tough to play so it's just working on that you know go sit in the bathroom with aluminum tile and hear yourself bounce off it you know what I mean no I mean you know whatever it takes yeah, being dead serious, you know, that's what I did. Yeah, just practice, just practice. I have a huge sound. Yeah, it's like, that's what it's about. Yeah. For, uh, when when I first started playing with Wayne Krantz, like I, I had to learn all that music from um, Two Drink Minimum. Dude. So like a lot of these charts, but like you know, I, so I'd have to go over his apartment to practice. But he had neighbors with just no amps, like so we would practice all this stuff without amps for like hours. Oh. You know? But just like acoustic, <laughs> just like you know. Uh, you know, it was, it's, it's like that's helped me develop. A sound, yeah. Yeah. When, when we recorded when a Gina, I, mean, I was like, it sounds good, man. You just, it was just great. It was just so, you know, had a lot of just that control and that sound. It was, it was fantastic, man. I loved it. You know, left hand, of course, sucks, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but no, but, but that has a lot to do it too. You know, that controls. You know duration of notes the yeah, how it's so yeah and you can get a lot of sound out of your left your fretting hand you know yep. and yep. it's just connected <laughs> that's an underrated topic like note length mm. dude. yeah dude that's for me anthony jackson 
Move Me No Mountain and Clouds on uh, Shaka Khan. Yep. Holy shit. That is a study in quarter notes and quarter note feel and length of the note. That It's just, yeah. Can you imagine being him like you just recorded a track in a studio and you come back and you solo it and it just sounds like a metronome. Like, you know, when you solo yourself, it's just like, you know, me, I, it's a mess. It's all over the fucking place. You, you can never, it's, oh, that's an eighth note. It sounded like, you know, like what, it just all goes in the toilet without the drums, right? But him, you know, it's all there. Like he just, you know, soloed out. It's just like, man. And, and it's just perfect, you know? And, and just that, like I said, that when I listened to those tracks, those changed my life. Just his, how he plays quarter notes. And that length is just like, that's a study in itself. And I just was, I'm still perplexed by it. Yeah. <laughs> like, my old teacher told me a little thing a long time ago, 30 plus years ago. You want to be funky. You want to be groovy. Be the most unfunky thing you can possibly be. Be a robot. <laughs> right? And then, and that's what I think about when I'm, I'm thinking of him. Like, Anthony James, because I'm just so mechanically on you know and look how funky it is but then when that motherfucker flurries dude it's crazy it's just i it's <laughs> that stuff that he did with uh el negrito and um uh anyways yeah he's uh michelle camilo yeah michelle camilo, oh, michelle camilo. That's my... I, mean, I don't know if you guys are hip to, you guys hit the jim beard uh, yeah 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 there's, there's a record called song of the sun and it's uh, not only is it like it's like vintage vintage like like this is a song called Baker's Annex and it's absolutely just torturously awesome from Anderson, <laughs> but it's also some of the greatest Brecker stuff I've ever heard, oh. Michael Brecker. So it's like it's like yeah that that album is like super underrated. What's the name of it again? One more time, just so Jim Beard. Jim Beard, Jim Beard, Song of the Sun, and the track is called Baker's Annex and it's okay. like a total Anthony lesson. It's, you know, it's it's like a, obviously a written part, but the intention of the stuff and it's just perfect. like, whew, man. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it's just beautiful. Man, yeah. that's cool. That's awesome. Well, Tim, you do have some time constraints today, too, so we're just going to get into some final questions. You, yeah, uh... I'm, good to, I'm good until uh, about 6.30. I mean, you know. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I, I got some. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, my lesson, I'm not teaching until 7, so we're good. So we like to do this thing where we ask our guests uh -huh. three questions. Before getting the socials, yeah. Just, yeah, before we get into the socials. So, living or dead, an artist that you would have loved to or love to study with. Just pick their brain and, and study with. Uh, Probably a lot. But living or dead, it can be, and it can be any artist, just any music, it can be art, whatever. Yeah, well, this, this is a, that's a full wow. Like, it, off and not think about it and just say, wow. Yeah. Uh, it could I be mean, a couple people. Yeah. It'd be like Coltrane or uh, Tony Williams. Oh, wow. Ooh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or Stevie Wonder, you know. Ooh. Yeah. That's who I would say. Yeah. Did you, have you played with Stevie Wonder? No. No, okay. No, just a gigantic fan. I know people who do, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you know. Uh, oh, you will. Oh, you will, Tim. Probably won't. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> it's, and it's okay if I don't, you know. Like, he's he's somebody, you know, he's a, he's one of the Holy Grail guys. Like, you know, just every song he ever did is just, 
including the ones that people don't think are great. You know, like yeah. the, the, what was that, that soundtrack he did for that movie? Uh, it was like Wesley Snipes and um, ah, I can't remember what it is. Um, Jungle Fever. Okay. Back mm -hmm. on the record, but it's also incredible. <laughs> so it's just like, you know. He really is a musical genius. Pretty uh, amazing. He's... Yep. Eddie Murphy was right. Dude, exactly right. <laughs> All right. The second question you probably have, but let's say somebody that you haven't, well, it might have already answered. Who would you like to have jammed with? Obviously, maybe that's already answered. Hmm. And it can be living or dead. I think I think I would have, I would have sounded okay. Like I know this is going to sound pompous as hell, but I just think where my head is at. Like I think I would have played pretty well with Miles Davis, like in the later years. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the birth of the cool kind of stuff, or the later, like you know, like 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 well, where just was in two, when did he die? He died in like two thousand uh, something. But like you know, like later stage Miles Davis, like post post Marcus Miller, like you know, just like you know. If yeah. he was going to still expand into some other shit, I think I would, sure. you know, and I, I don't mean to sound pretentious. I just thought no. that was a good fit, maybe. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Stylistically speaking, you would have, you know, you think it would have been good. Pro I mean, you know, like I would have brought some, like, because I could play bass stuff that he would yeah. like, probably. I mean, it's not as, I mean, obviously I'm not Marcus Miller or Daryl Jones, or, but, but like, like sonically, I could bring some stuff to the table. And, you know, it, that just is a, it's a pipe dream. That's all. No, that's great. Well, he had, in one of his bands, so he'd have the bass player. Well, Armand Sabal, was it Armand Sabal Leco played with him? Or, or, um, no, it was Richard Patterson, I think. Richard, pa but he had a lead bass oh, player, Foley. right? Yeah, Foley. Yes, yeah, so I see. So, I mean, I can see it. We're just expanding, kind of improvising, trying new shit out. That would that would have been a good fit. I mean, you know, in the in the end, like all that stuff, the Amanda record was like, I think it was the last record, but it was like all Marcus Miller produced and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm a huge Marcus fan. Dude. Tutu. Oh, of course. Dude, We Want Miles is just like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, just a library of unbelievable bass shit. Like, it's... the creative level, like, the funk and the, the, the menacing shit. It's like... Dude. I mean, he was, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, like, like that's some of the greatest bass playing I've ever heard. Yeah. You know? Just gets like, well, it's like, whoa. You know, a lot of this is one chord jams, and he's just taken to these places, and it's just like, man... Yeah, Man, you know. and Marcus with Luther, all the shit he did with Luther Band, dude. Sorry, tangent, but the solo records, you know, like like I, I mean, I stopped listening to like a couple of them after Panthers, you know, whatever that record, yeah. that Panther. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's just like they started getting like a little bit homogenous. But uh, I mean, just like he was a creative force. Really. Yeah, was it the the sun never lies? The sun don't lie. The sun don't lie. The don't lie. Yeah. Where well, he slaps, where he slaps Team Town, Team Town. What the yeah. fuck? Mm -hmm. And then, but you know, oh yeah, there was also a Sanborn record. What was it called? Uh, uh dude. Um, when they played a Ornette Coleman tune. Oh. Um. Uh. No. 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 Uh. Uh. Up front. Uh. Front, dude. It's. It's. Yeah. They play. Um. I know exactly. I love that one. That's like one of my favorite records all time. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, this is the guy. Could just go for days. Ra uh. Ramble. On, ramble. Ramble on. Oh, well, that was. Yeah. Ramblin' was the song. Ramblin'. But yes. that was like. Yeah. It was another record. That's, I think it's called Up Front. Up Front. Yeah. Up Front. Right. Yeah. All right. And Steve, the big, the big last question, the important one. Living or dead, who <laughs> would you have loved to share a meal with? Hmm. Doesn't need to be a musician. Anybody. No. It oh. can be an artist. Anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to get honestly, like I know this would seem weird because he would tear me a new asshole, but James Baldwin maybe. <laughs> nice. Okay. Mm. I like it. 
Yeah. A little obscure. Didn't expect that. No. Yeah. I've just been fascinated with him lately. You know, such a such a genius. And like, yes. you know, knew his shit, and you know, mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't here to take any shit from anybody. So mm-hmm. That would have been that would be interesting. That's cool. That's yeah. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Nice, nice man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, uh, there's a lot of smart people in the world. I mean, you know, he wouldn't be the only one, but, but no. it's the first guy that popped in my head. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, Name someone else then. I, I don't, yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. Living or dead. All right. You know, I also, I skipped on this, but like, you know, I'm a huge Michelle Degio cello fan too. So like, oh, you know, she, she's a good hang. Like I would hang with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw her on the Plantation Lullabies tour. Oh. Bah. And I, I'm still yeah. one of the most influential things that I've seen live. Yeah. It was beyond, I, I can't even, yep. I can't even explain how deep she is. Like she's just. Yeah. I mean, those, you know, like they're, to me, not to bore you guys, but, but like, you know, they, there was a couple of bass earthquake records post Jocko, right? And I think that that was one of them. Plantation Lullabies was one of them. Dude, for, mm-hmm. for sure. If I'm your boyfriend, boom. Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, and D'Angelo Voodoo, like with Pino, like those were just like, holy shit, you know, like stop the presses. This is some new, new stuff. You yeah. Know? Even though, you know, Michelle's kind of like, um, you know, Paul Jackson Jr. Like, oh, there's, there's sure. something here where she's coming from, but just like the, the, you know, the, that combined with like the really hardcore, like neo soul stuff is like, yeah. fuck man. <laughs> Dude, her feel and just playing that old 60s uh, J and like yeah. that sound is like, I, I don't know, man. It doesn't get for me like if if that's your boyfriend on Plantation Lullabies is probably one of my one of my all time favorite bass lines ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it, it's it just goes up there. So, yeah, Michelle, she's she's a badass. And, you know, it's funny because people bag on the 90s. They were nothing, nothing good came from the 90s. Like bullshit. That, that record. Good, you missed that record and tons of other ones too. You know, like I just I was at a UCD store. And I got that uh, Public Image Limited record called Seattle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't even the song Seattle's on it. Okay. Fucking incredible! I was like, what? It's still it's like it still sounds good now. I'm just like, holy shit. Wait a second. Was that record called Album? Uh, I think it was L. L. Ltd. I'm gonna I'm googling it. Hang on. Wait a second, because that there was one that had like vi on it and a couple other interesting things i was like yeah there was one pill record that was really crazy it was called happy with a question mark and it was like 19 it was like early you know like early 90s it was yeah. incredible <laughs> question mark yeah it's just like it's so well produced and like the band's banging johnny Lydon's crushing it's just oh, like it's fantastic yeah you know, it's just like fuck man you know but you can't tell me. Also, some, you know, like things. Yeah, I mean, all right, I'll keep boring you. But man, I, you know, also like I just for some reason, uh, um, the Cradle of Rock came into my came into my head the other day. Like, you know, Van Halen one. No, it's uh, it's uh, oh, oh. Women Children First. That's yeah. right. Mm. I was sleeping on that record, dude. That record is absolutely bonkers. Killer. Yeah. <laughs> what what they did from Van Halen one and two I was like, ah, oh, let's do some covers. But that record is just like writing the whole shit is just like fuck man. Yeah. Damn, I was just like blown away. I listened to it because I was obsessed with Van Halen as a kid. Oh, that's awesome. Right back again. I was just like, man, Jesus. Dude, when that first record came out, it was like I another just one of the best records ever. Just blew totally. it, blew everything away. And then, like you said, 
Two and three. I, I'm a big diver down fan, and I like women and children first. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, dude, that combo. And for me, Van Halen is Diamond Dave. It's yeah. it's raw. But hey, a fifty-one fifty was okay. Hagar, Hagar was good. It was good was, songs. That was good songwriting. Yeah, yeah. I met Eddie once, you know, backstage at a Brian Adams concert. Nice. Because he's friends with those, with those guys. And I was. Oh man. I, I, you know, tried to keep the drool in my mouth. Yeah, it's just yeah. like this is a kid. This is a guy. I was a kid. I was like, he's one of my heroes. And you know, so like he he sat down and I was just like, can you tap out Mean Streets for me? You know, the beginning of Mean Streets, and he did it on acoustic guitar. I was just like. Jaw on the floor. That guy's an absolute master. Dude, that's such a Tim, I gotta throw a weird record at you. If you if you actually like, you know, Public Image Limited, right? Is it was the album called Album. Yeah, I've heard of it. So and it, it's it's total Bill Laswell crew, right? Because he had uh, Bernie Wall you know, Bernie on it, Warrell, he had Tony Williams and he had my personal hero on of playing bass on one track, actually, which I didn't know. I had to look it up right now. Now I have to get it. Is Jonas Halborg. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. All right, let me have this up. And Steve I played guitar on most of the record, you know? Wow. And Laswell played bass on most of the tracks and Halborg on a track. So, and it's mid-80s. It's 85. Is that the one? Oh, wow. May the, May the Road Rise With You? Is that that one? You know, I don't, I don't know this record, and I've heard a lot about this. I've heard a couple of tracks. I'm like, what the hell is that? Who's that shredded with, with, with Johnny? Uh, and I'm like, oh shit, Steve Vai's playing with Johnny Lydon. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a, it's uh, the road rise with you is on the record. Okay, the road rise with you. Yeah. Oh, rad. That's incredible. Track listing personnel. Ready? Here we go. Yeah, Bill Wazel, Steve Vai, Nikki Scopolitis, Ryochi Sakamoto. <laughs> Sakamoto. Wow. Playing a Fairlight CMI. Ginger Baker on drums, Tony. Oh my God, Bernard Fowler and backing. Yeah, group. Ginger worked with um, Bill uh, quite a bit during that time period. Man, Bill Laswell played bass on it. Yeah, I mean that's incredible. I'm gonna have to buy that. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to check. A lot of listening. Yeah, Jesus. a lot of listening homework here. I had no idea Jonas was on it. Now, I have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just for he's on one track. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he was kind of that, in that period, he was kind of like the, the rage and in, in, uh, he was like on the cover of Bass Player Magazine and stuff a bunch. John's a badass, man. I think around that time he had the double wall. Oh, yeah. Oh. Two seconds. Yeah. Hang on, two seconds. All right. Come on, Blues. Oh, he's got his cat. The cat. <laughs> Cat's like, I need to go outside. I need to go kill something. Yeah, it's time to kill small creatures. I lounged all day, and now yeah. I will hunt. <laughs> nice. I need to bring home a rat and a mouse for you. Fucking <laughs> cat. You need to go out. Yeah. That's awesome. It's all day, and then he goes out at night, but like, you know, I think he had to go to the bathroom. It's pretty. And, and hunt and go kill some shit. Dude, every night, I'm. I'm I, okay, so I don't know if you're going to keep this in or not, but like, you know, we're in Tucson. We're keeping it. <laughs> Are we keeping it or not? It's up to you, Tim. Well, I'll just tell you the story and. and I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should cut it. But man, so we're in Tucson. We're on a horse ranch, right? And like we're on a dirt road. Like it's, we're in the middle of nowhere. Like okay. it's basically a nature preserve out there. And everybody's just like, you know, don't don't let your cat out at night. And like this guy's like a shredder, man. He's he was part, you know, he was a, he's a Woolsey fire survivor. So like, wow, he's out there every like I find a carcass every every night. It's fucking unreal. Like big ones too. It's like oh man. Jeez. Well, it's I mean it, 
obviously if there's no poison or stuff like that, it's it's healthy. That's what they eat. They huh. are carnivores, man. They eat meat, and they if it's a mouse and that mouse was eating any greener, that's where they get their right. green whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. Did you ever hear that? The Joe uh, Rogan podcast. Remember that movie came out about vegan athletes on, on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah. So that guy. So so Rogan had uh, an omnivore doctor. I, yes. Remember that one? Like that's that's what he was talking about. Like like how these animals, like basically they're doing the work for you, absorbing the and turning it into proteins, like all the all the, yeah. the green, greens, because that's what they consume. Yeah. Well, that's like in the barns and stuff. The 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 mice and the rat would eat the greens. The cats would go kill. That's, you know, that's just, yep. you know, circle of life, man. Yep. It's like yep. carnivore. You got to eat meat. That's it. Yep. <laughs> I'm a firm believer of that, but like whatever works for you, you whatever. know what I mean? Uh, you know? Whatever works for you, but eat a lot of meat. There you uh, go. You know, if it's a small child running around, I fall down. Okay, but uh, I'll grab it. <laughs> <laughs> Tony eats babies. You heard it here. No, no, it's no, uh, it's I have two anything. kids. I don't no. eat babies. Especially but, in know. this time. There's no, no eating babies. No, no eating no. babies. Right? No, 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 pizza no. Gate We have pizza. laws that protect people. We don't eat anything. Like we don't need pizza gate. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bunch of crap. <laughs> leave it. Leave it. <laughs> Anyways, man. Dude too fun man oh so tim give us your socials where where, where where can everyone find you okay so uh patreon is uh you know patreon.com slash live from blackbird okay mm -hmm. uh so live from that's the patreon page um i mean there's like there's a bunch of tiers you can sign up for it's you know it's cheap and it's live from blackbird but live from blackbird right okay, yeah cool. but it's the street we live down cool uh, in la and then uh uh Instagram is at T-I-M-L-E-F-E-V. Okay. And then um, I have a Facebook fan page. It's just like Timothy LeFave. Cool. Fan page. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, there's no way to find it on the phone with the, with the actual link is. I'll, dude, I'll do it. I'll do it all. I'll put it. That's my job. I'll find it. I'll hunt, it, hunt you down. Yeah, and don't go to Twitter because like, I'm spending all day fighting Trumpers. So. Yeah. No. <laughs> we'll stay off Twitter. We'll just do <laughs> Instagram, Facebook, we'll do all that. Do you? Yeah, going after, going after clowns. Man, it's pretty funny. Do you have, um, do you have timlefay.com? Do you have your own website too? Actually, yeah, timlefaymusic.com. Cool. So it's T-L-E-F-E-B-V-R-E music.com. Yeah. I'll find all that stuff, dude. Yeah. Excellent. Man, and and when you're back in the when you're back down in the Orange County area, you got to come come GNL, hang. Got some other stuff. We got some other stuff coming out. And oh yeah, I'll check that. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. Yeah, because I have to come back. I guess I think I'm going to produce um, Ross's band. Oh, very, oh, Ross Lilabo, dude. We look. Ah, uh, yeah. They're nice. One of, they're one of our sponsors. Man, that's good coffee. Oh, mm -hmm. it's legit. Golden State coffee. Check them out. Woo. Yeah, Golden State Roasters. They're really, really good. It's so good, man. And they're good people. And Ross, is a, Ross is a badass bass player, man. He's actually very like what's what's great is like you know like a project like that be like oh no I have to yeah coach the basic I don't have to coach the bass it's gonna yeah. be easy he's great yeah. and it's good music too I like it I like it's gonna be good I, I wouldn't take it if it wasn't good so yeah mm. nice you know. man well dude it means a lot thank you for taking the time and I know you're super busy and stuff but uh, at this time 
Yeah. Also, let me know when it's going to come out. I'll uh, I'll uh, blast it for you guys. Yes, for sure. It'll be not this week, but it'll be next week because this okay. week we have. So yeah. So at this time, we say goodbye to the audience and we stop recording, but we stay on and talk shit some more. So <laughs> we say goodbye to everybody. Bye everybody. Bye everyone. Big Bottom Podcast. <laughs>